Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 200 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we'll be looking at the biggest storylines from this past weekend's events. Jorge Masvidal's latest demand for a title shot. One Championship's claims that Bloody Elbow should not be reporting their losses. And a possible return of the man himself, Johnny Bones. Okay, so we are going to look at the biggest storylines of the weekend, and there are more than just UFC. There was a lot of high-level boxing over the weekend, and so we're going to examine the biggest fights from UFC Vegas 62, and we're going to look at some of the boxing as well. So I want to start with Alexa Grasso and Viviani Araujo, which was a fight. Now, I'm not going to say it was bad because I didn't think it was bad. I will say that it was um, average uh, as far as there didn't seem to be any real high, high intensity moments. They just stood in in front of each other with iron chins and went to work. But I didn't have any moments where that I felt like somebody needed made it, needed to make a comeback or somebody needed to overcome some adversity or anything like that. They were pretty well matched. I did have Alexa Grasso winning, but one of the scorecards was a 50-45, and I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Hmm. Now, which round Which round would you give to, uh, to Vivian? The second round. Second yeah. Round. That's the round I gave her. Now, I had Alexa winning – pretty comfortably about 49-46. Some people were saying 48-47. I'm okay with that too. I don't think it was a draw. I saw a lot of people out there saying this was a draw. It was not a draw. No. Alexa Grosso's punches were popping her head back like a a Pez dispenser. They really were. But both women have pretty good chins because Viviani caught her with a few herself and Alexa just took it on the chin and kept plowing forward. But this was definitely, um, I don't know. I, I just didn't have much invested into the fight even going in. Did you? I, You know what? It's not like this was a number one contenders match in an official or extra official capacity. It never felt like there was any sort of um, direct uh, link to that. Um I mean, it was a nice showcase fight. I think if you were going to put it anywhere, it should have absolutely been a fight night event. Um, but then again, if it's not a contender fight, if it's not, an, uh, you know, like the next person in line, then why was it headlining? Why was it a five rounder? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure. This very this did occupy a bit of an odd space, and I don't think we ever got around to discussing that last time around. But um, it is it is weird, right? It, it is kind of an odd one that they, they just figured that, you know, we'll just slot this bout in here. And it wasn't a bad fight. Don't get me wrong. It was just it just in terms of um, in terms of rankings and hierarchy and all that. Yeah, you got what was it number five and number six squaring off. I mean, I guess you could probably make a case for uh, the winner to um, fight for the belt next. I don't really know how strong a case that is, especially since 125 has never really been very organized. It's just been Valentina and the, and the rest of the crew. You know, it, it's always been looked at in that manner. Because that's kind of what's benefited the structure that keeps us in place. And there hasn't really been much of a reason um, because Valentina's just that far ahead of the pack. So it kind of it kind of just is what it is. And I hate to keep being doing my Max Holloway and saying that over and over and over. But it's like, dude, that's true. You know, it's it's fine. It's okay. It was an okay fight. Um, Both of them brought everything they had to it and uh it was a lot more competitive than i expected but yeah i don't know really what 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 do we do here what what do we uh, what was all this for exactly i saw people suggesting that alexa grasso is ready for valentina i don't think so yeah, I, I, think that- I don't yeah i don't know man i mean i i'd like to see 
like we said about some other fights, right? I'd like to see her do well. Mm-hmm. I think it would be sensational if she could pull it off. I mean, maybe. Sure. You know, we've seen we've seen that Valentina's had some deficiencies, like Jennifer Maya being able to take her down, and then um, in Valentina's last fight, how she was, uh, you know, stifled quite a bit in some of those exchanges, and uh, how she was uh, really, um, I don't want to say exposed, but she's had some. Uh, She's she's had some opportunities to look better on the ground than she has, and but Alexa you know, is her kryptonite is strong girls with good grappling, and yeah. you know it, they don't come much stronger than Valentina, and they don't come better grapplers than Valentina. I just think that uh, she would just get mowed down like everybody else. Uh, not everybody, but you know. Most of the mm. girls are getting mowed down. This last fight, I definitely had Valentina winning, but that was as close as I've ever seen anybody get to her. We do need to get to the co-main event, which gave me terrible sadness because I am a die-hard Cub Swanson fan. I did pick Jonathan Martinez to win going in because I don't like 38-year-old Cub cutting down to 135. And we saw the result of that. Now, Cub did say in his post-fight interview on uh, during the presser that something in his rib popped in the first round. In the beginning of the first round, he felt one of his ribs pop. Could that be relative to a hardcore weight cut? I don't know. I'm not uh, in that position, but it's a question I would ask. Also, one thing I really, really noticed was Cub's reaction time is so much slower his reflexes are so slow and he his hand speed is slowing down a good bit as well. Now I realized that there in the end he let his hands go, but they're still not as fast. And his his reaction time is much slower too. And those leg kicks. I mean, I know all of Jonathan Martinez's <clears throat> kicks are amazing, but the leg ones were the ones that stood out. He put Cub on his butt. Well, not on his butt. He took his legs out from under him where Cub's hand hit the canvas twice in 20 seconds. I mean, the kid is amazing. Yeah, he absolutely is. And, you know, he took out a a more uh, established and savvy veteran. And he, you know, it's sad. It's sad because, as we said earlier, right, we uh, earlier in, in, in last week's episode, we didn't want Cub to go out looking sad and he kind of went out looking sad. And I mean, there's not really much else you can do about that. You know, the, the new guy came in and uh, you know, it's, it's something of a, I don't want to say so much a passing of the torch, but it's like, all right, now you got a big name in your back pocket of a guy that you beat, you know, who was amazing in yesteryear. And you did pass something of a stiff test because you were able to dish out, take, you know, dish out your own thing. And, um, kind of get some reads and looks and, and, and outwork the established veterans. So that's nice, but you know, good for Martinez, but man, that that's just in terms of laying you know, on, there, there's no, there's, if there's any sort of karmic way to it, yeah, it's not good to it. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on down the card. I guess I should mention that Dusko Todorovich and Jordan Wright, you know, they got fight of the night, but I didn't really find myself very invested in the fight. And even with that TKO, I still thought it was kind of a ho-hum, humdrum kind of fight. I wouldn't say it was boring, but it bordered on it. And I think the reason why I had such an ill take on this fight is because I hate watching guys get winded. And both of them were winded. Both of them. I hate watching a guy barely into the second round look like he's moving through mud. Now, I know Dusko took uh, some punishment in that first round. Jordan Wright came out like he always does, like a house of fire and gassed after three and a half minutes. I don't think Jordan Wright is cut out for the UFC. I think he needs to, you know, sharpen his teeth outside the UFC and then come back a better person. Um, He just doesn't have the cardio to to get it done. And what's really funny is that in his corner... (laughs) In between rounds one and two, his corner can be heard telling him, just two rounds left. You could do this standing on your head. And he immediately gasped. I think he gasped right there on the chair. But Mm, I just didn't find this to be all that entertaining. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was exciting. But, like, you can also – we can recognize – 
that a fight was fun, but it wasn't good. You know, and right. what I mean good, we're referring to matters of technique, matters of sharpness, matters of, you know, being cerebral in your fight and doing things the right way is, you know, the quote unquote right way. But you, you, we know what we're talking about when you hear good fight, right? When you think about Carlos Condit versus Rory McDonald, when you think about, um, I don't know, uh, Frankie Edgar versus um, uh, versus Gray Maynard, the, th- the second or third fights, right? Like, there were a lot of holy shit drop moments. There were some sloppy moments, but there was a lot of mind games, a lot of figuring things out, a lot of math that's being done moment to moment, second to second. That makes sense. This wasn't exactly that. This was more a matter, this is more like a, a Japanese pro wrestling match. This is who's got bigger balls, who's going to be able to hold out for longer. And I don't have any problem with that whatsoever one of my favorite heavyweight fights of all time travis brown versus andre arlovsky not even around it was nuts it was it was a slightly more elegant form of takayama fry we're going to punch each other in the face and one of us got to go to the hospital and that was it and this is similar although i will give disco a lot more credit i mean he's not someone there's nothing about this fight that led me to believe that he's ready to take on somebody in the top 15 he's nowhere near elite he's still sluggish he's still not as good an athlete as i believe he can be but going to the body going to the head his shot selection as he was ramping up like that was actually pretty good i i gotta really give him that and and being a little more layered with how he was using his offense seeing that he had his opponent winded as for right well look man you know i don't want to be too hard on the kid but when you're feasting on less than well-established talent on the regionals these are the pitfalls. You can either end up with a guy who's got really good confidence in his ability and is able to execute what he does in the gym with you know, no real jitters or anything like that, or you get a guy who maybe needed a little more seasoning and maybe has some pacing issues, and that's probably what's going on here, I guess. So I'm not, you know, I I don't want to be rough because it's messed up, man. What is he, one in four in his last five, I think? Mm. Or one in three in his last four? I, something three. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's that's just it, it's a shame because this is, again, another casualty of the contender series and the, 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 the grinding thresher maw of bringing in this talent, churning them out and then just, you know, leaving them out there for for what for pennies. In the interest of time, I'm just going to touch on a, a couple more fights real briefly here on this card. Uh, I think we need to uh, give. Rafael Asuncio, uh, a big round of applause for defeating mm-hmm. a very tough guy in Victor Henry. And uh, he looked good doing it, too. I, that It was nice to see rejuvenated Asuncio because I've always liked the guy. So yeah. that was nice. Uh, Alonzo Minifield. Wow. <laughs> yeah. knockout. My God. Holy shit. This is where you don't mind being wrong. Uh-huh. You know, I, I picked against him, but I saw that and holy shit, man, good job, dude. Damn. Hey, that's it. You know what? That dude has been putting together good wins. Yeah. Um, I'm liking what I'm getting out of Alonzo Minifield for sure. Um, Mana Martinez going to a split with Brandon Davis. Brandon Davis is tough, but I don't think he's UFC quality. I think that they need to go ahead and, and put him back to the regionals. He just, he just cannot cut it in the UFC. The competition level might be a bit much for him. So, but Mano Martinez looked good. Um, Brandon Davis falls to 14 and 10. Now, where you were correct, and I should have listened to you uh, because I was on the fence with this, but I should have listened. Nick Maximoff falling to Jacob Malkoon, who was, like I said, entirely too tough for Nick Maximoff. And he put the work on him 30 27 all the way around nick maximoff is not ready for the ufc he's very mm. young he's very young but he's either not ready or he's not ready for middling competition because right now jacob is rising but he's still in that middle area nick maximoff needs to start at the very bottom and they are because he came in with so much hype they're they're matching him up with guys that are entirely too tough for a 20 i think he's 21 maybe 22 how old is he he's 24 but he's still a baby you know now he's eight and two ah man what do you do with the guy 
No, I listen, Maximov, to his credit, to be completely fair, he did look like he suffered some sort of an injury mm-hmm. or had something wrong with one of his legs after the first round. Um, it's still, it, it was still kind of messed up to see how the fight progressed because I wanted to see a more competitive bout. You know, I figured that it was going to be more competitive. I thought it'd be trickier to pick, but I just thought that Malcolm probably would have more advantages. And that's kind of how it turned out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, um, you know, it's it's not the worst thing. I hope that there there there's some sort of maybe uh, either leniency or something. Maybe you could give him a step back, and he can probably be one of the guys who'd benefit from clearing out the lower end of the division. Let him at least have that grace. It's middleweight. Come on, what's the worst that could happen? You got right. plenty of dudes that he can look good against and really develop and be the prospect that you expected him to be when you brought him in the first place. Yeah. Now the last. Uh couple of fights here tatsuro taira is the real deal okay mm-hmm. there's no two ways around that that was a nasty armbar too man i i cannot wait to see him fight again no nah, me neither and i told you this dude he, he did that work in japan man and it's like yep this is why this is why that dude came in with the, the you know the us uh you know, you, you can you can call me a, 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 a degenerate Japanophile, but listen, man, these guys, when they come over with like that good foundation from Japan, those guys are ready because the game is very different from what it was in, you know, 2011 or whatever. These guys are really making it happen. And this is one of those cats. So big, big uh, pickup for the UFC here and uh, another impressive display. Yeah. And finally, listen, I, I got to preface this real quick. Mike Jackson is a good dude. Yeah. I don't care what anybody else thinks of him. I know the guy, and he's a decent person. And, <clears throat> boy, it's hurt my soul a little bit to see people just brutally go in on him. It's not his fault that this was the last fight on his contract. It's not his fault that he beat up CM Punk. So... He got his clock clean by Pete Rodriguez, and we kind of all knew that going in. But I feel like the UFC kind of did him a disservice by setting him up with this fight. Like, they're mad at him for beating CM Punk. You know what? That was a risk you all took. It's your own thing. Man, I just, I felt sorry for him even getting booked this way. And it, I feel doubly sorry for him getting just dragged the way he's getting dragged. I don't even think it's a punk thing. I think it's the fact that he's spoken truth to power when it comes to the UFC. He said a lot of things that they're not very fond of, and he's very, very staunchly anti-racist and very vocal. And uh, he gets uh, he gets out there, man. He gets pretty nasty with people online. I don't think they know how to deal with a guy like him. And um, when I say that he gets nasty with people, I just mean he gives it back just the way as, as he receives it. He's not holding his tongue with a lot of stuff, which usually when I say when I say when I when I hear of someone saying, oh, they don't hold back or, you know, they're they have no reservations limits. Usually that person is just an inconsiderate asshole who just wants to use that excuse or that veneer of, uh, you know, of, of something to substitute bravery. I don't think that's the case with Mike. Mike really kind of is as advertised from everything I've seen and heard. And um, it's a shame. I mean, look. He did fall funny. Like, let's be real. He he did fall. It's a very ugly way to get knocked out. So I can get why that's going to be, you know, the thing that that would be the sort of thing that people would immediately jump on and make fun of, like the Rashad face thing. But, you know, listen, that's the game. I'm sure he knew. And it's it, the, the fact that this is going to be most people's last impression or vision of him in MMA, that is that does upset me a bit. Indeed. Now we are going to look at some of the other events that happened this weekend, particularly the boxing, because man, boxing was all over the place. We had so many high level fights. Clarissa Shields dominating Savannah Marshall was awesome. You know what? Clarissa is a badass. I know she has some questionable hot takes on, on social media, but if we're looking strictly at her as a boxer, my God, she's amazing. You're telling me, wait, we're, we're talking about boxing now? Uh-huh. Isn't that sport dead? <laughs> so I, was, I was hearing some people say that the other day. I don't know if that's still they, that's still on TV, like you can still watch it in places? Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't actually see the Marshall versus uh, Shields fight in its entirety. I did see some clips um, 
God damn that 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 was a that looked like a really tough matchup. Um, it did. It, 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 they really they really brought it to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Shields continues to show that um, you know she really is uh, not just legit, but but someone who is carving out a a hell of a legacy. And you know you can criticize her any way you want, as far as like, well, women's boxing isn't where it needs to be. She's fighting people that are that far behind. It's not her fault that she's that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm sure someone's going to be there that'll catch up to her that she can face off against. But in the meantime, just enjoy what you're witnessing because it's historic. Now, after a super spicy weigh-in. Michaela Mayer got beaten via split decision by Alicia Baumgartner. 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 And um, that was a pretty grueling fight. I I didn't have a problem with the decision, though. I really didn't. I, I thought it was just fine. Did you see any of it? No, that, unfortunately, I didn't get any uh, time to check out. But... Uh... That that was I do want to check that one out later because I've heard a lot of great things about Baumgartner and um, it, it seemed like that was yeah I mean it, it was it was a close battle from what I understand right? yeah, I mean it, it was... was and and but I honestly didn't have a problem with the scorecards yeah okay uh, but I was kind of doing a couple of things at the same time so I can't honestly say that I had one hundred percent of my attention focused on it but from what I saw. Baumgartner was, you know, holding her own in there, and I didn't, I didn't have a problem with the scorecards because I did watch the last few rounds. So, um, and then we got to get to Deontay Wilder, absolutely putting Robert Hellenius into the shadow world. My lord, he knocked him out, put him to sleep with his eyes wide open. Yeah. Um... That man felt pretty bad. He felt like, I mean, it, it's like he just fell into a nice, neat, and orderly pile. You know what I mean? It was like he just sort of fell over, like just magically laundry that just fell onto the bed and organized itself. That's what it looked like when he collapsed. It was so, so rough. And it wasn't even, the fact was, it was a pretty ugly punch. You know, the mechanics of it should not have worked to be a knockout punch. But the fact that he had his legs the way they were and his torso out of position, his head was on this side and still he managed to launch it and put him to sleep like that. Listen, I don't follow boxing as closely as most people do. I had never heard of this guy that Wilder was fighting before this fight was announced. I'm sure that he's got some, uh, you know, pretty strong skill set and everything else. But I don't care who you are. The fact that that man, despite his improper form, was able to do that to a guy that big, that's pretty heavy, man. That's 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 super impressive no matter who you are. Indeed. Um, and then we had some other fights. My goodness. Uh, Devin Haney and, Cam- and George Camboasos. Haney just ran right through him. My Lord, that was a mauling. Mm. And it was that's terrible. a shame because Cambosos was coming off some pretty strong momentum, and yet still we, you know, this ended up happening. So that's uh, that's that's got to sting real isn't heavy. Isn't that good though? Let, let let's just put that out there. He's not that good. Um, he's good, but he's not that good. He's not this level of good. And he could have taken the step aside money, but he didn't want to because he was, he, you know, he has self belief, and I admire that, but. I really wish he had taken the step aside money because this was a walk in the park. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, the skill notwithstanding you, you, you lose a lot when you have the sort of trajectory that he's had and the hype that you get. And then you sort of get put away like this in boxing. That sort of thing is way, it's so much more, it's so heavy as a penalty as opposed to what you see in kickboxing or MMA. It counts so much, so much more uh, strongly against the person on the losing side. That's all I'm saying as far as that goes. And uh, you know, yeah, that's what it is, man. It sure is. So what do we got on tap for our very first news update? Oh, boy, howdy. Well, you know, let me let me tell you about a little organization you might have heard of. They're called One Championship. Have you heard of them? I they used to I be known have. as One FC back in the day out in the streets. Yeah. So uh, we had an extraordinary piece last week that was done by the inimitable John Nash and our very own, the uh, the true Filipino flash, Anton Tabuena, uh, where they addressed the finances that were recently uh, discovered. Um yeah, look, I, we've already addressed some of it. We're talking about over $380 million in the hole. And yet, 
Chatri had come out and had an interview with Ariel Hawani discussing the whole thing and saying, well, you know, listen, you're going to listen to to Bloomberg and these other financial outlets or are you going to listen to some pithy MMA site? I mean, what do they know about money? Well, it turns out we do have some guys that know about money and they also know about fights, which Bloomberg unfortunately does not. And so after recontextualizing all this and providing proper uh, annotation as well as painting a fuller picture. Uh, it turns out that Anton, uh, in his wisdom, decided to post a very, uh, I, I thought, hilarious rebuttal, even though it was not intended to be funny. It's the best kind of unintentional comedy because one of the details that Chachi seemed to have overlooked was that those financials and those details that came to light were details that he signed off on. These are government forms. These are items that are submitted to the government of Singapore. This is on wax. You can't wriggle your way out of this shit. You wrote this. You you had your people drafted up and you signed off on it. So you knew. So somehow for you to sit there and say, oh, no, 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 no. We don't have that kind of debt. We don't have debt on that level. Only to turn around in that same interview and say, well, actually, debt is good because that's just, the, you know, that's this is how you expand market share and grow your brand and do all this other stuff. And then you turn around and have this happen. Yeah, look, I, I've I, and I'm not even I, I, I really hope that anyone listening and anyone's familiar with the situation understands. I'm not saying this because I have any sort of personal animus necessarily. Any company, any fight promotion in the world that had their head of the company saying something this nakedly and patently, transparently, stupidly false. You would have to question whether or not this person really is fit to be running a lemonade stand, let let alone a combat sports organization. So, uh, look, do you think he's got any way out of this? You know, do you think he's got any other rebuttals after this gets put out there and that it's been shown and demonstrated yet again that this is stuff happening in his house? And that it's undeniable? Or is he just going to, you know, maybe do the other usual thing, perhaps the more sensible thing, and keep quiet and wait for this whole thing to just ride itself out? He's a vain person. He loves doing interviews. Have you ever noticed that? He he, <laughs> he hems it up on, on camera. He wears smedium shirts, so it looks like he's got bulging muscles. I mean, he, yeah. he emulates... Dana White. That's what I love about Scott Coker because he doesn't emulate Dana White. But you've got your um oh what's the guy from Combate? Campbell. Oh, Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. He wants to be Dana White so freaking bad. He really does. Well, Campbell Campbell wants to be more like a PT Barnum type. That, <laughs> he he's, also... he's he's trying to be more bombastic in some way, although he has scaled it back to a degree. So, Thank you know. God, but he was getting out there for a minute. But yeah. the thing is is that Shatri he he eats it up, so no, he won't stop. He won't be quiet because he loves to do interviews and people are going to ask. It's a big deal. And when when they ask, he's going to continue the same train of thought. You know, it's so funny because I was chatting with uh, Anton last night because he put out another story. You know, he put out the story that we're commenting on right now. But it's so funny because the title of it, (laughs) he claims fake news Mm -hmm. for the massive losses that they themselves reported. Oh, my God. The title just sent me. I I mean, you know, you don't. This is one of those things where, like, if you just read the headline and didn't read the article. Oh, my God. like you'd still be you'd still be pretty well like well yeah i mean shit that don't get any worse than that that's pretty bad it's the greatest cell phone ever it really is but go to bloomberg go to financial times and i tweeted this out but why the fuck would we would people go to bloomberg or go to financial times he is an mma organization we are an mma news outlet we should be the first ones reporting on it and everybody else should pick up afterwards mm-hmm. so his, his comment there was incredibly stupid but this was my favorite part and i quote as mentioned above their documents were reported to acra and filed by one championship themselves these financial statements are publicly accessible and it also shows shatri sit dong real name 
is Satri Trissi Ripisal. And mm. other one championship directors signed off on the document. And then Anton, without missing a beat, Chef's Kiss, mwah, he actually put copies of the document. <laughs> in there and he, and he put Shatri's stupid video interview with Ariel where he literally talks circles around the question and never ever addressed it or answered it other than go to Bloomberg go to Financial Times guess what Bloomberg and Financial Times will do the same thing that we did and they will go get your ACRA report that you filed. Now with them moving to the Caymans, I must reiterate, with them moving to the Caymans, everything becomes a giant mud puddle because now he doesn't have to report to Accra anymore. Now they get to hide their losses. Bearing that in mind, what the hell is going on over there? Uh, you know, it, it is a shame that all the stuff you just mentioned about the Caymans and all that, all that really means for the uninitiated or if you perhaps might have forgotten is that that's going to obscure their finances to a degree where we might not be able to get the, any of this year's numbers next year. That's what I just okay, said. That's, no, well, I, I just want to make sure that I clarify that for anyone listening because it's like we've been really good. I, I just mentioned that as a preamble to this, which is like you know we've been able to keep tabs over the last few years because we've been able to – this is – again, this is government-submitted information. No one has been doxxed. No one had to like pay a bounty for get some 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 hacker to dig into some files and to get like no 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 what happened here was oh you go just like you go to check an SEC filing or something like that you request the documents and you find them and it's like oh hey here's this publicly available information you know <laughs> and the thing is like, people don't read right like it, it we're, this isn't this isn't 2005 you can't just get away with saying that and then be like all right cool like no social media is going to harp on it and we're going to have outlets and people like Anton like John Nash that are going to look into this and be like how come that doesn't make sense how come these numbers are like when John did that story with the the gyms i don't know if you remember that one a couple of months ago mm. or was it maybe last year no, it was like it you know was, like it was at the beginning of the year with evolved yeah that uh, okay yeah. if anything ever could be called money laundering just outright <laughs> and and not have anybody blink an eye at it evolved Jim's situation of that is probably money laundering this thing with one's finances it's looking like it but i can't 100 percent say that it is the way that right. i'm confident that evolve was yeah i mean that's the thing like and, and if you're again for those not if you don't remember you're not familiar with it evolve it only has about four or five gyms in singapore mm -hmm. nowhere else and they're valued at 300 and something million dollars <laughs> are the ufc gyms an international franchise chain are they worth 300 million dollars which not consequently maybe well not consequently coincidentally is that's the word i'm looking for coincidentally not that far removed from the money that one is in the hole for so it's like is all the money going to evolve gems like what is the where is this going all this does is breed more questions because you got a guy running the company who's not even really good at competently lying and if you can't get a guy as a front man to do that well buddy you kind of got a lost card now don't you <laughs> and then the, the the other little cherry on top of the cake here, because there's a couple, but this one always gets me, is declaring their barter deals as part of their revenue. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. That's not money, dummy. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, man. I mean, maybe that's just stuff that the Singaporean government will allow them to get away with or something. Or maybe <laughs> it's good enough for their investors. Maybe there's some other way they frame it and paint it for them. I the, don't know. The other frankly, thing, I don't know. Who knows who goes on those boardroom meetings? The other thing, too, is that with them becoming more opaque by going to the Grand Caymans, it also prevents investors from being able to get access to their finances because that's the first thing an investor wants. I want to see how well you run your business. I'm just holding my breath until the bottom falls out from one. Mm. Yeah. All right. So our next news topic, and this one is hot off the presses pretty much, but Jorge Masvidal is trying to make a case for a third UFC title shot. All right. Let's talk about Jorge Masvidal here for a second. First of all, he has had two title shots. He has lost both of those. He is also on a three-fight losing streak. 
He hasn't won since 2019. As a matter of fact, in November, it will have been three years since he last won a fight. And his last one fight was over a guy that he says, and I quote, is too punch drunk to continue competing. Mm. Yes, he's going around saying that his only win in the last three years is punch drunk, too punch drunk. So you're not doing yourself any favors there. If I'm you, and that's my last win, I'm talking Nate up like he's gone. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying he's a punch drunk idiot that can't compete anymore. That is not what I'm saying. Now I'm going to quote here from the interview that he gave to Mike Heck. For starters, everybody has an opinion and everybody's entitled to it. So if people think I deserve it or not, awesome, man. I don't take nothing to heart. I definitely feel I deserve it, though. Just from the money side, we definitely deserve it. Just from the fan side, we definitely deserve it. Who doesn't want to see me fight Leon? <laughs> say I don't deserve it, but they'll still raise their hand in the dark and quiet and be like, I want to see that fight, and I'm actually going to pay my hard-earned money to go see that fight. So I don't agree with that. And, and he continues, if I didn't deserve it and the fans didn't want it, why is it that every time I talk to reporters or anybody, they're always talking about this? Why aren't they talking about anything else? They're always talking about me against Leon. Leon, fucking step up to the plate, bro. You begged and cried and did all this bullshit before when I was fighting for the titles. Now you've got the belt. Let's go. Okay, first and foremost, when he was begging and crying and doing all this bullshit be before when you were fighting the titles, what did you say? You said no. Okay. Um, so so I, I, I do want to mention what you said there. Pro Wrestling 101. Come on, folks. How many times you got to hear me say it? You beat a guy and then you call him a bum. Well, then you beat a bum and you're not going to get any brownie points off of that. It's not going to elevate your status. It is only hurting you. So I want to thank you for, for bringing that up in, in terms of, you know, like, good God, that's your last win. And not even a, a, a very uh, sensational win. It was a very anticlimactic uh, ending due to the fact that there was a cut. After that, he had the back-to-back -back fights against Kamara Usman. And then he takes on and uh, well, I don't want to say shot. I mean, you know, definitely lost a lot of lust. Colby Covington and he couldn't even look good there and the way he handled that was so sour he just kept doing this whole thing where he's like oh this guy's taking me down blah 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 like you're not a veteran in what 15 or so years you don't know what the game is now you don't train wrestling after you bragged about how good your wrestling is in the gym come on man we've seen him wrestle too and he is good he just didn't have it and now he wants to go in there and fight Leon well how the turns have tabled because now the man who dismissed Leon and said, no, he's not on my level. I'm not fighting him. Two piece in the soda, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, you got the best of them that time. Cause there wasn't a ref, there wasn't a bell and you just snuck up on it. Yeah, sure. You gave him that. Good for you. Good for him. Congratulations. Now he's got the belt and now you're on the outs. Cause now you're washed. I mean, look who, who right now do you give Jorge a good chance to beat? in the uh, welterweight standings as they are currently because oh, i'll right. tell you this right now looking at the rankings and i have them right none here in front them. of me none of them okay none of them. sitting at 11 and leon is the champ now the only time that we've had a gap that large was when dan henderson and michael bisping fought for the second time yeah which and was a favorite there was of both. A reason for that there was a lot of history i mean Dan Henderson posterized him the first time, turned him into a fucking meme that still runs around to this day. And while Dan Henderson was number 13 and Michael Bisping was the champ, that was a different scenario entirely. Yeah. But the heat off this already cooled down ages ago. Yeah. And also we were looking at the middleweight division, notoriously thin for years and years and years. So that division could have withstood a little bit of a shakeup. But when you're looking at welterweight, a much deeper division where all of the top 10, every last one of them is a killer. 
is a killer yeah. with the exception of one. Got to take Stephen well, Thompson out of there. I would put Stephen Thompson right around Jorge Masvidal's ranking, 11, 12. I don't, I don't agree with leaving him up there at seven, but that that's another can of worms because UFC rankings are bullshit anyways. The fact that Conor McGregor stays in mm. in the rankings, Tony Ferguson is still in the rankings, that, that shouldn't be. But that's another discussion for another day. No, just, but in terms of, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, just in terms of using the, the internal logic that they try to sell to other people as far as the UFC goes, listen, Rachmanov is at number 10. Mr. Razorwire Rachmanov is at number 10. Do you think Jorge has a chance against that guy nope. right now? No. Nope. You think Sean Brady wouldn't be able to take this guy behind the woodshed? You think Bilal Muhammad is going to be a walk in the park? Hell no. So what lets this guy think that just because he had some form of box office appeal a while ago – he doesn't seem to understand that it faded. He thinks that that's going to carry him still to this day. That cloud has already been spent, my guy. You've been taking some bad losses. You haven't looked great in a while. And then on top of that, you've lost your, you, you know, your, your Q score took a nosedive because you started getting all this political bullshit. It just doesn't. No, absolutely not. No. Yep. Agree, agree, agree. So what do we got next? Well, next, we actually have a very interesting report, and it has to do with something that I personally won't believe it until I see it, but maybe that's just me. Your mileage will vary. It turns out that there has been, there has been something of an agreement made, struck up between Stipe Miocic, former heavyweight champ, taking on former light heavyweight champ John Jones in his much-anticipated and very, very lengthily awaited heavyweight debut for UFC 282. And not only that, as expected, it would be the headliner because star power, of course, John Jones being that guy. Um, even though he doesn't have the belt, I mean, he is still someone who's got that that level of uh, marketability. So it turns out that they had uh, initially had some plans for Yuri Prohaska versus Glover to share in a rematch. It turns out that that's not going to be or it may not be the case. Uh, it looks like the fight that they're aiming for is Jones versus Miocic. I don't know about you. I kind of like that matchup. I mean, look, if you're not going to give Jones an immediate title shot, which realistically he probably should have gotten, isn't this the next best thing? I mean, I don't know that I want to see him against a Derek Lewis coming in. I think if you put him in there against an older, sharp and wizened uh, wrestler who's still got power in his hands and someone who has been one of the best, if not the best, all-around athletes uh, in the heavyweight division, I mean, that's a very tough welcome. And it's also a very stiff test, but an opportunity for him to shine because a win here could really open some eyes and begin to um, – you know, create greater anticipation for him eventually fighting for the title. However, Stipe's not done, man. He's he's had some hits. He's taken his lumps. But that guy, you know, the only dudes that he loses to are the hardest hitters out there. John is not exactly the hardest hitter. Very methodical, very smart, very good at attacking all parts of the body and breaking opponents down at distance. Very smart fighter. But is he going to be as effective at heavyweight? Is he going to be able to handle the power that these guys are bringing? Is he too old to have made the jump? Has that train left the station? And maybe he's just doing this a day late and a dollar short. So I want to know what your thoughts are. Is this the right matchup to make? And should this be the rightful headliner as if uh, they can't uh, secure a fight between Yiri and Glover? Yes. And yes, I I've been waiting for this for so long. Like, probably a decade when when Johnny first started talking about it. I want to see it. I think Stipe's the perfect match for him because, you know, let's face it, Stipe's not getting any younger and he's definitely not in his prime anymore. John Jones ditto. Uh John Jones looked like he was not in his prime at 205 in his last few fights. He's definitely lost a step. However, hasn't lost that much of a step. Let's just say that. And I want to see him at heavyweight. And I want to see him against good competition, but not Francis Ngannou just yet or Cyril Gaon just yet. I don't even know if Francis is going to be sticking around. But I wouldn't even put him in against Cyril Gaon just yet. I want to see how he does against Stipe first. I love the fight. I love it for both of them. And it's a guaranteed payday. It's got to be. Um, because if it isn't, man, the UFC is just wronger than I ever thought that they were. But I love the fight. Let it happen. And please let it happen at 282. 
<laughs> you really want this to happen I as do. soon as possible. Yes. Uh, let's just hope Mookie doesn't jinx this one too. <laughs> yes, because he has the touch. The yeah. reverse Midas. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So we are going to check out some other notable moments from combat sports. And on the Devin Haney, George Cambosos card, there was a fight with a girl named Cherneka Johnson. And she mm. took one hell of a cut on her forehead. I mean to tell you, <laughs> it looked like... um. When you see uh, a disaster sequence in a movie, especially with a bomb, and the the wounds on faces, especially on bony prominences on the cheeks where they just pull a chunk out, it looks like, that's what her forehead looked like. It literally looked like a whole piece was just cut out of her head. It was insanity. I mean, and her face, crimson mask of death. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe would have written a whole poem about her. Yeah, she definitely did have the um she did have the game the, the, the from software type of face. She had the I'm playing a lot of Bloodborne lately. You'll have to excuse me. She had the Bloodborne face. Uh that was a nasty cut. And it just it seems like she nicked an artery because that thing was all over the place. It really was. And way up above her eye her eyes, up a a good inch or so above her brow ridge. So it wasn't in a a dangerous spot. There was nothing that's going to affect her later on. It just was a nasty cut that bled a lot. And when they showed the finished product uh, at the end of the fight, after she'd been cleaned up, it just literally looks like she's missing a huge piece of her forehead. It's insane. Mm. Uh, Now we're going to get on to other boxing that happened. And Caleb Plant, my God, he starched his opponent. I mean, one hitter quitter put him down. Nasty like. That was beautiful because he did that thing James Tony used to do. He crouches, oh, yes! he ducks under, and he goes with the left hand of the body. Then he comes up that same left hand to the face, that and is, that was it, man. You know, I sat there thinking, who did that? Who did that? You just nailed it right there with James Tony. There you go. Front check, back kick, all that. <laughs> all right. Now, our last one is a heart warmer because Deontay Wilder went to check on Robert Hellenius several hours after the fight and Deontay Wilder is just the sweetest human. I mean, he goes in, first of all, he cried a whole lot after his fight and I just wanted to hug him. But then he goes to see Robert Hellenius. He immediately goes over and he gives him the warmest hug, just bear grips him, hugs him so tight. And he's telling him, I love you. I'm so sorry for this. (gasps) Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm old, so I cry at every little thing, but this one had me sobbing. Oh my God. Yeah. I was just yeah. sobbing and hearing Robert tell him, thank you. Thank you for letting me be in the ring with you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Oh my God. Just lost my shit when I saw it. Yeah, that, that kind of moment is like what happened with uh, Glover Teixeira beating up Anthony Smith. Yep. You know, he had to stop at one point. He was just, he felt so bad what he was doing to this man. He stopped. He says, hey, man, it's just business. You know, like, we know what we signed up for, but, like, I just want you to know, man. Ain't no, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, you know, <laughs> this ain't, this is not any sort of ill will of, of any sort. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound in any way. And there's a form of that. I think that's more so than pity. That's more a form of respect mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and good for him in a way. I mean, that's, that's, that's a form of sportsmanship to me. I think that was actually, uh, that was actually very nice. And it was, it was a very, uh, human moment. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people sometimes forget that that's, that's the backbone of a lot of this stuff. So, yeah. Especially when in the lead up to the fight, you got to see all these moments with Deontay. Like there was, he went on some show and there was a person that was dressed up in um, like a mascot's outfit. And he kept telling him, come on, I want to, I want to see what it's like. I want to see what it's like. I've got this big costume on. Punch me, punch me, please. And so Deontay, it didn't even look like he wound up very much. You know, he pulled back, he hit him, boom, bang, put him down. Oh my God, I read a story that he broke the guy's jaw in three places with that one little punch that didn't even look like he threw it very hard. So you see all these things and they're painting this picture of Deontay being this 
killer. Not that they're making him like a serial killer or anything like that, but it's really nice to compare the lead up to what you got after because he is a decent person. And I just love seeing that. You know, it was so nice to see that. Yeah, guys like that shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, like if you don't know your own strength, or worse yet, <laughs> if you do know that your strength is capable of putting away mastodons, don't try that on mere mortals. Don't do that to regular humans, man. You should know better, baby. Don't do that. Please, please, please. I'm trying to look after you and your pockets. Don't do it. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, anyways. We're gonna wrap up the show, Victor. I I gotta ask you though, real quick. Did you did you like the cues I was giving you? <laughs> People out there don't know this because I edit the shit out of the show at the end. But me and Victor have a problem. If it's not him, it's me. But we always miss our cues and we will stay muted. We're talking, but we don't realize we're muted. And so <laughs> my edits frequently take me a long time but today's is gonna be smooth as silk because one of us missed you (laughs) hey listen sometimes we get it right i just need a little nudging you know (laughs) we always get it right we always get it right that's true so uh, what i want you guys to do is follow victor on twitter at vic m rodriguez he's a funny motherfucker well well worth the follow and then go over to his instagram and check that out Victor Sinister Rodriguez on Instagram, food, travel, a pink paint, gorgeous curls. Everyone <laughs> is right in one place. Now, I'll also follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander and check him out over on SB Nation's field goal site because he's the managing editor over there. So if you are a Seahawks fan, Get over there and hang out with him. Follow the show on Twitter at Level Change Pod and on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Level Change Podcast. And if you listen to the pre recorded outro, you can find out where you can listen to this show and all the rest of the Bloody Elbow Presents shows. So do that. Leave us a comment, whatever. Subscribe, all that jazz. And then do us one more thing. Tune in next time. Until then, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Vivis Section, The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not The Face podcast, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow blog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com.